the station with more hair, more flair, yet so debonair. Radioinfluence.com You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Good morning to Duffified Live on RadioInfluence.com iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah, guess what? It is Friday morning. That means it's Duffified Live Day. Good morning, everybody. I hope you guys are having an awesome morning, afternoon, night, late night, shady time of the day, whatever it works out for you. I am here and I'm ready and I'm super stoked. I don't know if you guys can hear in my voice. I am no longer sick. That, in turn, makes me to be a happy motherfucker. A little bit of congestion still because I've still got this kind of wild virus that the government spewed through the air so that we can sell more flu shots, which I did not get. But I did take an antibiotic, and I feel a lot better. After a purely crazy, crazy week, um, I spent uh, the week – last weekend, I was in uh, up in Mohegan Sun up in Connecticut. Uh, got to blow around town for a little bit. Uh, we talked about that real quick, but this week, you know, uh, I just had an amazing time getting to see all my buddies up there with Jason Santos and Chris Coombs and um, Jasper White and Rocco DeSpirito and uh, Alex Garnaschelli and, you know, just some amazing people that are up there. Some of them, uh, you know, got a little drunk on Saturday night and it's fun. That's the way the game plays. But Mohegan Sun Wine Festival is one of my favorite events of the year. Look, I don't get any money from these guys to talk about it, but if you guys can make it up there next year, I would love to see you. I do a demo that I get up there. My demo for this past weekend was a pork belly. Ready? Pork belly. And aged beef, a dry aged beef bolognese, which is pretty badass. I added some peas into it. I got some really nice organic tomatoes and whatnot. Put that whole thing together. Topped it off with a black pepper poached egg and then some seared pork belly around the outside. I did a really fine shave of uh, some lardons. It's on my Instagram page from the other day, so go check that out. Um, the uh, This week, we have Super Bowl. So I'm actually recording this the week before, so I cannot even discuss with you who won because I don't know yet because it hasn't happened. But I will tell you about the fact that I did the Today Show on Friday against my buddy Jason Santos. We had a boatload of fun being out there. Um uh, going in, or we, we, you know, just a boatload of fun being in New York. And uh, we went to see Akhtar Nawab the night before. We went to Alta Kuladad, uh, his place over in Brooklyn for dinner, a whole group of us. Um, you know, I'm a connector. I like to pull people together. So when I get into a city and if I can pull all my buddies and friends and some of the really awesome people that I get to meet, plus Michael Munoz was there, Jess Harron was there, um, you know, and, and then my core group of people, my Devin, my Shelton, my Groover, my Danielle, and my Greg. Um, those are my core group of people that I get to go out with whenever I'm around. So everybody came up. We had a beautiful dinner, uh, just a whole bunch of fun. So, um, But uh, for this week, uh, since that's my really fast rant, I don't want to get into something too crazy uh, going into some stuff because we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Um, my guest this week is my dear friend uh, and my uh, my business partner on a couple of different projects that we're working on. Um, y'all know him from uh, – y'all might know him. He See, the thing with him – this is my buddy who grew up in Miami, but he's from New York and now lives in LA. And it's kind of a big joke between us because he's lived in some pretty awesome cities. Um, 
years ago. Uh, he was a uh, he was a recurring character on uh, One Life to Live. Uh, so you may know him from there, or fuck it, you may just know him from Bar Rescue because he's an awesome individual. And his name is Michael Tips. So everybody, do me a favor. I want you guys to uh, you know you know the routine, man. It's really simple. Turn it up. Get the kids out of the room because Tips and I are probably going to end up cursing a little bit. I want to introduce you guys again to my good friend Michael Tips, and we're talking about Bar Crashers, baby. This is the first phone call I've received this morning. Yes, I know. Because you ready for this? Uh, we dialed the wrong phone number, and I kept. And every time it went okay, to voicemail, well, I was like, I was like, Tips, get out of fucking bed. Come on, let's go. So somebody's gonna wake up to that voicemail. Okay, yeah, because I'm like, I've been sitting here the whole time, and my wife got up. My dog's been having diarrhea all night. And oh. she was sweet enough to sleep downstairs and take care of them so I could get some sleep so I could be on I could be on Brian Duffy's celebrity podcast. <laughs> well, we're already recording, so I love your sarcasm starting off in the morning and I'm sorry your dog has the shits. Well, first of all, I mean you are you are you're at this point you're probably the biggest celebrity that I, I know to this level. Like I know guys who are famous on movies and stuff, but Right. I mean we're not famous, you know what I mean? So you're probably you're probably the most famous guy I know. Well, you once said something to me, and thank you. I appreciate that very much. I feel much famouser now. Not rapier, but famouser. That, that's famouser. Fami- fami- I like that. Famouser. <laughs> uh, 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 that makes me feel good. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I was going to, uh, you once said something to me that was very poignant and very, 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 it made it made a tremendous amount of sense because people always say, well, you're important. And you always say, it's, I'm, I'm not important. I'm valuable. There's a difference. Oh, that's nice. I forgot about that one. That's true. Yeah. It's a good one, dude. I use it all the time now. People are like, oh, well, you're important. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not important. I'm just valuable. You know, like I've got well, you know, that, that, that came to me when I was, when I, when I was, when I was a kid, when I was doing, I was doing a soap opera in ABC and I was, well, very I, I already talked about that. Everybody knows now. Okay, well, okay, well, I'm not saying it's everybody knows. What I am talking about is the fact is that I was they fucking fired my ass. <laughs> and, right. uh, they replaced you with a short, and, and fat black kid. You know, yeah, it looked just like me. And um, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think uh, that was the thing was I realized then I was like, wow, I started to believe that I was important, but I had no value to the show. Yep. And yes. and and it, it was a, it was a it was a game changer for me. It's amazing how how something like TV can change the way that people act. I, I see it, and I mean, you and I've seen it firsthand. You know, we we've seen it firsthand a lot of times, yeah. and it's really fucked up because in reality we're and it, 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 it's just fucking TV, man. And guess what? TV's going away anyway. So you well, know, that, to- that's the thing, though. But see, I I don't think it, I mean I think TV is, has been the main source, but I also think that. This whole like you know online, but to bring it more like like you know more uh, up to date, like the whole influencer thing. I was just talking to my wife about it because you know I think I don't know if it's television as much as it's as it's, it's like global attention. You know what I mean? Wow. Because like the majority of the big influencers, it's ironic that they're all women. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's true. That's you know, true. But, unless they're a CEO of a major corporation or they're like incredibly wealthy as a man or highly famous on television or movies like 99 out of hundred influencers that are self-made are all women. And yeah. typically, I mean, I'm going to go out there and say this. It's, it's most of those women don't aren't, aren't fully clothed, you know, um, not to make crazy assumptions here, no, but, um, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's, it, and it's crazy because when you meet some of them, they're absolute sweethearts when you meet them, but they do walk in with this air of entitlement. Like they're one of the Kardashians. 
Yep. And you're like, dude, you don't actually do anything. You just, you have 6 million followers on Facebook and, or that's like on Facebook, on Instagram. Right. But that's they're not actually facts. following you because they want to hear about you. They don't want to hear about your ideas about the, you know, the evolution of man. <laughs> it's, not <laughs> why they're, it's not why they're following you. Um, so that, but, but they have that same air as somebody who just got an into television show and they think their shit doesn't think. Well, um, you know, I talk to, I follow a lot of people on Instagram and Twitter because I really like to see what other people are doing. And if I follow somebody who's sure. really interesting, then I'll reach out to them and I'll send them a message and say, Hey, my name's Brian Duffy. I do a, a podcast. It's called Duffified Live, you know, and then I kind of give them a little synopsis. I'm a chef. I, you know, this is what I do. I travel a lot and I'd love to have you on the show just to talk. And some people reply, some people don't. Uh, but there was this one woman that I followed who who had a great little Instagram and she had a nice little following. And then all of a sudden it changed and it's just her and pictures of her ass every day. And then I started to follow her husband and her husband in his bio says, I am the proud husband of so-and-so and I am the photographer behind all of this. And And all this guy does is take pictures of her ass Every single day. And I thought this, and she's got, I, I don't even know. She's got probably 4 million. Four <laughs> I mean, it's just because the yeah. chick shows her ass every day. Like how does that, and she probably makes a shit ton of money now. I mean, just for appearances and all that sort of stuff. Look, I know does anyone who's going to listen to this podcast, they can listen to it eight times a day. It's not live in the morning or is it live in the morning? I mean, it's, it's not, it's live because you and I are talking to each other. But it's it's actually a okay, recorded. So we, we pre-record this. So here, dude, six hundred and ten thousand okay. followers. Married, mom of two, amazing kids. It's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. That's like her whole thing, and it's just pictures right. of her ass, and she got new boobs. So there's your content. There's your valuable right there. Yeah, I mean, Influence. look. I was asking you what time what time people listen to this is because I just realized you're like you're not you're not that guy who's like secretly pessimistic and dark who pretends to be positive. You yeah. really are just one of the most positive people I've ever met because oh. you're never you're never. I mean, you're, even when you're like pissed off or annoyed about something, you still have a great positive take on it. Where for me, I'm I'm overtly positive about everything in life. I think everything in life for me works out, and for other people that I love, I work really hard so for them for things for them to work out, but. On top of it, I'm this total New Yorker pessimistic prick, and and it's kind of an act, obviously, but but it's just what I what's my go-to. But this is a very dark time. I, I really feel like that because I feel like all social media is really doing is not creating any problems; it's highlighting the problems that have already been there. Sure, and I, it's I feel, also I giving like a voice, a magnifying glass. Right, and that's the thing is, it's like I don't I don't think anyone is a bad person because they want to show pictures of their ass. Right. But I think the highlight of it is when you see a, a, a person, typically it's a woman, uh, just, just, just in regards to what you'll find online, a woman doing a selfie. And what's crazy to me is when you look at her, her images, when she has the exact same pose with a different outfit on, and there's like 75 of them, and they oh, all yeah. have like a little quote, that's when you realize not only is your context of your, your originality off, you genuinely believe that this is something that people need to see. Not because you think you're that self-entitled, but because you have nothing else going on, one. And two, you need that level of validation every single day. Yep, and I think I that's what it is. And God bless people for needing it. I don't mean anyone's wrong, but just the idea that you need that level of validation. And if you've, you've been on me about social media, because I need to have more of a presence in it, 
You, you know what I mean? Cause that's just the way the world is going and I'm terrible at it and you're brilliant at it. And you put so much effort into it. And I think that's part of the reason I have to get over this because I think I just feel like, is there anything that's allowed to be private anymore? Like can two friends just have a, a great conversation and have a joke without having to report on that joke? Right. Well, you know what I mean? That's all, that's all it is. Well, I realized, I realized a while back, um, I watched, uh, I watched an old friend take pictures of her husband in the hospital before he was dying and post them on it on oh, social God. media. And then I started to watch another woman who lives in Georgia whose grandfather was dying and she was taking pictures of her grandfather laying in his hospital bed, you know, and going back and forth. And, and when my, when my father had passed, my sister is a, is a, is an, an amazing woman. She's a super strong, uh, independent woman who, who really works her ass off. But, she likes to share things on social media. And, and and my biggest fear was that there was going to be a picture of my father laying on his deathbed posted to Instagram or Facebook or something like that. And that was a fear for me. Like those are things that I just don't – I don't believe that we need to share. But but it happens all the time. It happens all the time. I mean there's there's some accounts out there that are really fucked up. Like one's called Kids Getting Hurt. You know, there's what? another one that called that's called Schmacked, which my daughter taught me about it. And it's a bunch of high school and college kids that are out just getting super fucked up, throwing up all over themselves. Like, it's crazy the shit that's out there that we get to watch every day. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great response, dude. Um, it's a great response. But, but it, it, well, it is. It's a lot because I'm having these horrible visuals. But let me just say, uh, officially, I'm very happy to be a guest on your show for the second time. And you're the first, um, you're the first second time guest that I've had. I really enjoy this. I've, I've only done a couple other podcasts in my life and they're always very stale. I've done a couple, obviously a couple of radio things here and there. And I'm always just kind of like, eh, that always feels very stagey. You, my friend are a fantastic host. Well, wait until you see the, uh, wait until you see our, our illustration that Maggie's doing for us. She's going to crush oh, man. it. I already gave her some, I already gave her uh, some uh, insight for it. I hope my four front teeth are missing. I hope eventually I can, we can do a podcast together and we can take a crack at each other every week with the, uh, with the, with the cartoon animations. So why don't we, we should, I think we should. I'm sorry. I mean, why, I, why don't we, you're the, you're the host. So you have to bring up this project. that we're working on. Okay. All right. Well then that's fine. So, I can't, so I can't. Oh, okay. So here's what, so here's what we're doing. So for the last couple of months, um, everybody has kind of, they've seen, they've heard, we have posted a bunch of stuff about this. We've gained, we're starting to gain a real nice following, um, for this new kind of series that we're doing. Um, oh, apparently my phone's ringing. Uh, it's Devin Smith, dude. She wants to know whether or not you got my headphone, my jacket and my sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, inside joke, everybody. Basically, Michael Tips and I were up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, working on a project, and I left my jacket there with my sunglasses in it, and he has them. So, but okay. So, so back to what we were talking about. Um, we, uh, Michael Tips and I, have been friends for a long time. Obviously, we both did Bar Rescue together, um, and we're never on the same episode. But we both had a pretty commanding presence uh, during the show that has led a lot of people to follow us and like what we do. Outside of that, we have a good friendship. I consider Michael Tips to be a very good friend of mine. We may not hang out all the time. Thank you, sir. We may not talk every day, but I consider you to be in my core kind of group of people that I genuinely uh, adore and care about. And so Stand here, my friend, 
So you and I have talked about something. You had a very candid, raw conversation with me about a year ago where you told me how disappointed you were in me that you and I did not do a podcast together. And I agreed with you. And I fully agreed with you and felt bad, by the way, after that conversation. Really? I did. Well, you, yeah. you know, I'm being... You know, I am, I am, I am, I am a Jew, and I am from New York. So I'm glad that I could instill some deep guilt in you with some Miami ties there. With some Miami ties, yes. Well, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew from New York. Of course, I have ties in Miami. That, absolutely. So you got a vacation somewhere. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so, so what, what then happened after that is obviously our brains started to kind of go back and forth. You and I have the same idea pretty much that, that we have a very, very similar passion for the industry of hospitality. Is that a good way to say that? Okay. And we both agreed that we are sick and tired of watching People rip apart our industry while there are amazing fucking people in towns, small, large, throughout the entire world that are crushing it, that are doing an amazing job in their business. Do you agree? Yes, 100%. 100%. And then we turn to the creative process of what is now called bar crashers. So go ahead from there. well, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, when, when you and I were talking about how do we do something that's different, I think it was more like, you know, us trying to figure out how do we, we have so many people ask us about, you know, what we do on the day-to-day when we, when we go to work. And uh, this is kind of an inside track to that. And there is a lot of drama, don't get me wrong. I think when, when you first talked to me about, you know, saying, when you said, hey, we got to do something, you know, since, since we did do the podcast, let's do something. Um, I kept thinking about all the different jobs that I've had or you've had that have been, you know, consulting jobs that have, I've been in the middle of them and I thought, Christ, I wish I had a camera crew with me right now because they'd see what this really looks like. Um, people would see what, what it looks like when someone's going to lose their house and you've got to fix everything. And then of course, as you know, you do other jobs, you try to stay away from some of those jobs because they become a real energy sucker. And you start focusing on other, other operators who are doing things really well, uh, just need like little tweaks here and there. So, um, the idea of me and you getting to do that, and obviously me and you have a blast together. We have so much fun together that I felt like, wouldn't it be cool if we could bring people into that? And, um, you know, and then we'll mean you, mean you going back and forth on the creative of it. Obviously you dug it, you added your, your take on it. I think it turned out pretty good. We're about to release our first episode. Uh, I think a week or two comes out. I have to pick, I think to figure out, figure out the exact date and talk to my editor, but it comes out. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a two part series. It's definitely going to be a two part series, yeah. um, for the first episode. Well, we do uh, Plouffe Diner and Boundary Brewhouse in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and I think one of the one of the greatest things that that was a discussion for us was the fact that look, there's Miamis, there's LAs, there's New Yorks, there's Chicagos. You know, there's a lot of these you know bigger cities out there that are always getting the attention, uh, and and a lot of times in reality a negative attention about the places, whether it be Bar Rescue or Restaurant Impossible or some of these other shows that are out there just to showcase the negative aspects of what's happening in restaurants. And we, within our consulting businesses, whether it be together or apart, and we've had some, we've had some successes, we've had some failures uh, in Indianapolis. And yeah. we, uh, you know, we, we both agreed wholeheartedly that it was something that there's, there's amazing shit that's happening in tiny towns. 
like Pawtucket, Rhode Island, a town of 75,000 people. And that, that they are doing things that are, are in some cases almost revolutionary, visionary in, in certain cases. I mean, you know, t- talk about Jared at, at Boundary Brewhouse and, and what he does. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jerry Okowitz uh, is the owner of Boundary Brewhouse. Him and his wife, Beth, own it. And they just did this incredible job of creating like this little slice of New York City. I mean, it could be a lot of different cities, but it feels very New York. Uh, in this little town called Pawtucket, where they're, they're built out, the aesthetic of the entire venue feels very like the, the lighting is very true to a, a New Yorker, Sam Fran, the, the mood, the concept, um, and their product and their bartending program is incredible. Like, it's, it would rival any major city. <clears throat> and, you know, we'll leave, we'll leave what actually happens there as a secret for the episode. But obviously, you know, Duffy had a little bit of his hands full there. But, uh, yeah. but I, w- I would say that, you know, but that for the most part, it's, it's something you would never guess. And I think we kind of uncover it. And it's really exciting. Um, I think a lot of guys in small towns want to do really cool, edgy stuff. But what Jared was able to do is take that risk. And he took that risk knowing that people in town wouldn't accept it overnight. And, and he did it and took him nine, nine months to a year for the town to really see what it was and accept it. And I think that the, the cool part about this episode that we had done is we really talked and, and as you, and you just said it right there that, that we had, you know, I mean, he, he basically did something that nobody else was doing. He took a leap of faith by trying to put something in that nobody else was doing. And in reality, so did Ploofs. Yeah. Oh, totally. He yeah. Hopped I mean, out of his comfort zone. He's a diner. Yeah. Yeah, and he threw a, he threw a bar in a diner space, which is a very difficult thing to do. Um, you know, and all we did was give him some pointers on, on how to make it work more efficiently. You know, so um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the biggest thing. I think one thing, and we definitely need to talk about F and B only too, because I think that's one of the biggest things that that bar crashers is um, kind of highlighting is that this is as big as and old as this industry is. It's still very much isolated, and it's very regional. Yeah. Like people who are in a small town in Texas might be doing really cutting edge stuff or they might, everything might be a me too product and everyone just copies each other, you know? So which typically like the bar scene is built by copying each other. And what is my neighbor doing? I'll do that or I won't do this. And there's very, it's very difficult for a guy in Pawtucket, Rhode Island to reach out to see what things are like in New York. And when I asked you where he got the idea for all this, he essentially said, I went to New York for the first time. He'd hired consultants and he went to New York and he saw the way they did it at employees only in New York. He saw the way they did it at different hotel bars like the Nomad or the Soho Grand. And he was like, how do I, what are they doing and how do I implement what's working into my little bar in Pawtucket, Rhode Island? And he was able to do that. But if he hadn't gone to New York, and it's not just New York, obviously, it could be any, any other market, um, he wouldn't have known what it looked and felt like. And I, and I think once he experienced it, he was able to replicate it. it one of that's, the- that's the key. And I think one of the things that that was was really important to us was the fact that we we have seen we, we we meet industry people all the time. Whether you're flying through the air, you know, you're walking through the airport and you sit down to have a drink before a flight, hospitality, uh, the person who's working the the ticket counter, hospitality, um, uh, the Uber on the way over, hospitality. And, you know, for me, I mean, I'm a natural kind of, I'm I'm a very inquisitive person and I really love finding out from people that are in the industry what they think of it. I mean, the changes that have been made in the last 15 years are, are fucking monumental. 
you know, when you think about going from an Excel spreadsheet to a, something like a hot schedule or something like that, I really like to see what people, what their people's thoughts are on that stuff. And at the same time, one of the things that I find that you have found as well is that there's really no, there's no main, I, I don't want to use the word portal, but there's no portal for, for everybody to gather. There is nowhere like that. Look, yeah, there's stuff on Facebook and, and whatnot, but I think that's where F&B only really comes into play with our vision for what that is, which yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, well, so, so Duff, can I announce this one? Dude, rock and roll, man. Go for it. We're, we're, we're okay. partners. Right, are you guys, you, yeah, we're partners. Um, you, you can follow us on Instagram. It's F&B only. Um, we are in the middle of kind of creating the very, very first, or we're, we've already created it, the, the first sort of LinkedIn meets Facebook for food and beverage, where it's, it's not just about with, with like elements of an old AOL chat room. Because we, me and Duffy, we were looking at all these areas where we, we personally, professionally, and also our clients have felt very isolated. So if you're in a small town in Washington and you want to figure out how to do a new cocktail program, not just in regards to what the drinks are, but how are people costing them out? What are they paying? You know, what are they paying for in regards to their, their vendors or their, their purveyors? Um, you know, how are they getting things done? A way that people can share information. Because th- this industry, we're not really each other's competitors. At the end of the day, I think everybody becomes an ambassador for hospitality in their town. And how do they connect with other markets? How do they talk to consultants? How do they deal with you know vendors? And essentially form a, an alliance as, a, as the hospitality industry, whether it be a hotel or a sports bar in Indianapolis. So we're in the middle of creating all the different rooms. So it's all based on your venue. So example, if you owned a sports bar in Indianapolis that was 1,800 square feet, talking to somebody who owns a nightclub doesn't really do you all the good. So right. there's going to be chat rooms that are just for people who own sports bars in smaller markets at a certain square footage. So you deal with a lot of the same issues, new, new challenges. How are, you, you know, how are you working things at the door? How are you doing your, your, you know, your sports programming? Um, you know, what are you doing on the nights where there's no sports? Because if we're in different towns, we don't have to compete. So let's share secrets. And, you know, basically, we want everyone. We want everyone to be on the same page for the first time, probably in history. And I think one of the things that's really cool that I've gotten to see through the years, especially being involved in nightclub and bar, is the fact that oh, hold on, I'm sick. Hold on, <coughs> I got to cough that one out. Sorry. Um, one of the things that was an awesome introduction to nightclub and bar, by the way. But one of the things that I found <laughs> through being involved in nightclub and bar is that people. There's two different types of people that that really go out. Well, there's three different types of people. The the one person that goes out there is somebody who is is genuinely interested in learning new information about whether it be the business, what other people are doing to succeed, how it how it can it ultimately can affect them as well. But the other thing is that they want to share their successes. And I think that that's a, right. a really integral part to this whole thing is that we have the ability to combine a guy in Pawtucket, Rhode Island to a guy in Indianapolis who both have a similar footprint of a sports bar who can communicate back and forth and say, Hey, what are you doing for Super Bowl? You know, what is your, what, 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 what marketing are you guys doing? Oh, well, we're going to do this, this, and this, and we're having a football toss and we're doing this. Cause I think that a lot of the promotions that are happening these days are uber fucking creative. Like people are really yeah. getting, 
down and dirty. They're hiring marketing people to do this stuff. They're bringing in somebody to handle their social media. They're bringing in people to do these things because they realize what they don't, they know what they don't know. And it's nice to see two people talk back and forth like a person like Jared who has no problem talking about his successes, but he also has questions. How would you sure. do this? Or, or what did you do on this day? Or what did you do in this scenario to another owner, which is really a neat thing to see because in my opinion and what I've seen through the years, and I'm a little bit older than you, not by much, but I'm a couple years older than you is that the old, the old regime, the old bar owners, the old restaurant owners, they never, they would never ask questions. Never. And now right. people are asking questions. They know what they don't know. And they want to get an answer from somebody who, who knows their, their world. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that we know, all, all the work that we've been doing on FNB only, and I say we as in you and me, is in our, in our team, is trying to find something for everybody. So it's not just a site where we profile someone and say, hey, ask a question. There will be chat rooms, but it's also, we're going to have guys on there who operate great venues all over the country to come on and talk for an hour, um, where you can really pick their brain on a live chat room, um, which I know for me would be huge. When I was, you know, when I was in New York and I was running different venues, I was constantly racking my brain to come up with, even if it's something as simple as how do I do a guest, you know, a guest, a guest service improvement um, course for my, my employees. How do I create that? How do I create something that teaches my employees how to do get better guest scores, how to deal with guests differently? How do I, how do I create that? That's, that's the, I think the one thing F and B will handle and really bring the industry together for F and B only is this. It explains the how yeah. everybody in this industry knows the, what we want more money. We want more of this. We want better guest experience. We want better concepts, but how you do it is where everything gets lost. And I think that is the gap that F and B only fills. So I'm excited for it because I feel like I have so many great people who are in this industry who aren't just people who are novices. A lot of them are experts who go, I, I got to keep learning. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I've, as a consultant learned a lot from, my clients in smaller towns who are doing things differently than I would ever do and say in, in LA, but I'm like, Oh, that's a great idea. And then you can kind of share ideas back and forth and products. And let me say one thing that's very important when it comes to ordering stuff for your ordering food for the kitchen, dry goods and alcohol is when everyone's on the same page for the first time in fucking history as operators, it's going to be very difficult for the people selling us stuff to work against us and give us exactly. all different deals. And you're so absolutely for the first time right. We become, so for the first time we all know what everyone else is paying and everything gets very transparent on the operator side. So we all form an alliance. Granted, it's always going to vary state to state because of laws, but, but the, ver the, the reality is we're going to have different chat rooms just per state. So everyone knows what everyone's getting and we can really, really get the uh, vendors by the short and curlies. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Uh, one of the things that, that as, um, as, as my, as my good friend Vernon Dozier would say on Phil Hendry, <laughs> so one, one of the one of the things that 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 I have uh, I've gained tips and I have spent a lot of time with each other over the last probably two to three months, which has been awesome. Uh, the the opportunity to get you know when, when you when you have a relationship with somebody and then and this you can call it a bromance. I'm cool with that. I don't give a fuck. Call it a bromance. I'll run I'm with it. it. I love this man, but. One of the things that's been fun while doing this is the amount of shit that I've learned. You know, I, I've considered myself to be fairly world traveled and I, and I catch a lot of stuff, but, but I, to find out about the room, I mean, come on, dude. Well, did you hear what happened today with Tommy Wasau no. uh, announced today? No. 
Well, let me, be, let me, let me, I want to be the first to announce this on Duffified Live. Um, Tommy Wiesel, the, crea- the creator, writer, director, producer, and lead actor um, of The Room, uh, which of course was, you know, uh, kind of created, the, the disaster artist with James Franco is, is based on The Room. Um, uh, he's doing The Room in 3D. It's going to be oh, coming so out no. in 3D in theater. No, no, really? Yeah, Do they have to reshoot that? <laughs> yeah. No, they, they can. There's 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 two different ways of doing 3D. They can they can shoot it with 3D cameras like Avatar, but there's a lot of CG in that. Um, or they can treat the footage and make it 3D, like they did for like Top Gun came out in 3D, like right. I don't know, Just 10 years added, ago. Me and my, me, me, yeah, they add a layer to it. So we'll get to see Tommy throwing the football around in 3D. Oh, that's going to be awesome! If you guys have never seen the movie, do me a favor, and and you can only really find it on on on. You have to go directly to Tommy Wiseau's page to Much buy it yeah he doesn't he doesn't yeah you have to only buy it on dvd he won't allow it streaming he will not so it's you it's, can so watch highlights you can watch highlights yeah which is what i've done there's a so google right now if you go to uh go to that there's that this cool website it's called google um and it's dot com uh, it's not dot org or dot edu it's google.com uh, it's a new site you'll it's a lot of information try to remember it but go to <laughs> google.com and and google in uh, the room roof scene, which is how this movie was introduced to me. And to give you guys an idea, it's known as the best worst movie in the history of movies. Okay. And it's, it's horrific acting. Con- plots that just make no sense, like the mother who announces that she has cancer and then it's never discussed again in the movie. You know, Danny, was it Danny? Is that his name? Who's the boy who just like, yeah, he's, like a, he's like a, like a 17 year old, three year old. Yeah. Who, who just yeah, kind of uh, like shows up. Yeah, there's a, there's a great scene where the mother announces that she the tests her and then she got breast cancer and her daughter just says, "Oh, mom, don't worry about it. People are getting better all the time." <laughs> and that's it. So, that's it. Never discussed again. And that's it. All right, everybody, guess what? You know what we're doing right now? We get to talk about some of the sponsors. One of the cool things that I get to do on this show is I get awesome sponsors like, ready for this, RX Bar. Whole food protein bars with simple, real ingredients. In 2013, these guys got sick and tired of all the crap that was being put into protein bars, quote unquote, and they weren't able to find one out there that wasn't full of artificial ingredients and fillers and preservatives and in in reality, just general crap that goes into bars. So they created their own bar with a few simple cleaning ingredients and I love them. They have their core ingredients do all the talking about this. It's like eating three egg whites, two dates and six almonds with no bullshit in every single bar. Whether you like sweet or savory, they've got both. They have a chocolate. They've got a peanut butter. They even have fruit bars. In fact, they have 11 different for, uh, flavor varieties that are in there. And guess what? For all you super sensitive the belly type people. We've got gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free with no added sugar, no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or filters. I travel all the time. I love reaching into my little bag inside of my briefcase of goodies that I've got in there with headphones and lip, you know, lip chap, chapstick and stuff like that. And my RX bars in there. Do me a favor for 25% off your first order. Visit rxbar.com forward slash Chef Duffy, and then at the end, enter the promo code of Chef Duffy at the checkout. Gets you 25% off your first order. Do me a favor. Grab an RX bar. Put it in your belly. That's where the whole idea then came for for the disaster project with James Franco, who then took the movie and basically did a behind-the-scenes movie. But one of the things that was said about it was – there was so much footage. You were telling me about the behind the scenes footage. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it is, well, James, James Franco read the book, The Disaster Artist, which was written by the guy who plays Mark. Um, you know, the guy, the, the blonde-haired buddy in the room. Oh, God, his name. Um, it was written by him, and James Franco read the book first, fell in love with it, and him and Seth Rogen were like, we have to make this movie. So it was, it was pretty awesome. He did a great job, and up for a million awards. But, uh, but yeah, it was just so much stuff happening behind the scenes and how crazy it was that the guy spent like five or six million dollars on this movie that, Looks like it was made for you know dollar fifty an hour, no bathroom breaks. Yeah. So um, it's it's pretty horrible, but it's it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, yeah, and it's like and speaking of uh, fun, I'm I'm very happy that you are falling in love with the greatest uh, personality in radio in history, Phil oh, Hendry, yeah. the great Phil Hendry. So and that's um, a whole nother Phil, thing. That you Phil Hendry is the greatest. Yeah, and if you guys are podcast people, which you are, I guess, if you're listening to this, and and actually Jeff Axtell, Jeff Jeff is a very good friend of mine who is on Twitter. He's 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 one of my best friends. I mean, we've known each other for 20 years, but he's on Twitter as as at G Axtell, and he is uh, his 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 uh, his I don't know, profile is he's a motorcycle riding techno weenie. And Jeff loves a podcast and Jeff is awesome because of the fact that what he does is he gives me feedback to the podcasts and he says, Hey, this was really good. Or that was really good. Or I really didn't like this one. Or I really didn't like that one. Um, so he's a great friend in that way as well, but he always tells me about stuff. So Jeff, you've got to get out there and listen to the Phil Hendry show. H E N D R I E. It's fucking brilliant. Brilliant. And the ones tips that you sent yeah. me were pretty good. Like the breast cancer one. Come on. Yeah, the one I invented Kwanzaa. I invented Kwanzaa is incredible. I haven't gotten to Kwanzaa yet. I haven't. Oh, no, no, no. I did. I did. I did. That's right. No, I did. Yeah, the Kwanzaa. Because what was the guy's name who who invented Kwanzaa? Because he wanted a holiday for black people. Yeah. Okay, so let's explain this first so people don't think that we're just. uh, (laughs) So the the Phil Hendry show, Phil Hendry is is a performance artist online or online uh, on the radio. He's been around for, you know, he's been doing a show for 20 or 30 years. I, I discovered a show about 20 years ago, and I was blown away. My friend made me listen to it. And Phil Hendry, who's this amazing radio host, had this character on uh, named Vernon Dozier, who was, um, you know, just talking about stuff that he was fired for as a football coach. And the reason he, he, he was fired or he's been suspended is because he was um, telling the kids on, on their teams that they were, they were sissies because they had asthma and asthma was a character defect. <laughs> and, the, and, and, and real parents were calling in, you know, screaming at this guy because obviously he was crazy. Then later I found out that Phil Hendry was in fact doing the, the coach's voice and his voice as the host. And the people calling in were real. So I started studying Phil Hendry. And when I started seeing testimonials from great actors like Gary Oldman and, um, you know, from Liam Neeson and people like that talking about he's one of the greatest actors alive. I realized that his show, his entire show, is a comedy show that's very smart. And um, the one that you're referring to, I invented Kwanzaa, was the same character. He does about 50 different characters. Um, is Vernon Dozier, who's like this kind of like right wing, you know, white Republican who's just highly critical of anyone who doesn't think like him. And um, he has a, uh, this ridiculous claim that he invented Kwanzaa. A white man who's middle aged <laughs> invented Kwanzaa because, credit because he's it. not racist. He wants credit for it um, because he wanted to call it Africa Week. <laughs> when, at first, when, he, when he first invented it, because he, he felt like black people complained a lot. And, and Phil Hendry, of course, as the host, jumps in and says, wait a second, do you have a genuine appreciation and understanding for the African-American experience? And he says, well, yeah, but I want to make some money. 
So, of right. course, there are plenty of Americans out there who hear this, uh, both white and black, uh, call in and think he's a disgusting character. And, of course, they kind of make this whole ridiculed stick out of it. But it's, it's a little more like Saturday Night Live on, on the radio. Um, and it's, it's just incredible. And it's so funny. So he's got, he's got skits where he plays, you know, an old, an old black man. And he makes fun of himself as a white character. Like, he really, he really ties a lot of race, religion, religion race, and political and sex into a lot of his stuff. And he works out a lot of really funny issues through comedy. And, so, and pretty, one of the wonderful, and one of the great parts about it is, look, it's a break from reality. In in reality, you know, I mean, it's an yeah. awesome thing to hear because we're we're also we're we're also afraid of of political correctness, and we're also afraid to say anything because you know, I mean, as I've told the story before, when I was standing in line on election day, and I was told that I was a fucking piece of shit because I voted for Trump that day. Which, go ahead, if you don't like yeah. me, unfollow me. Shit sucks, it happens, but I, I live a real life outside of who I voted for. Um, but it, uh, which by the way, I lost followers last week, dude, just so you know. I lost seven. Oh, really? I did, I lost seven because I, I retweeted something about, uh, something that was very funny. It was a little satire about Trump um, that, that some people let me know that I was a full-blown piece of shit. But, it, but if you want to break from reality every now and then and you, and in re, and, and you just want to laugh, it, it's a great thing. It, it's a little cerebral. You've got to listen to it to get it. But my favorite episode is, however, the IROC episode. That's my favorite one. IROC. Well, yeah, that's the first one you heard. Yeah, but it's really the sweet-ass ride. I mean, and the fact that cops are afraid of him because he's got temporary tattoos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which everyone is, out there, go, go to, go to uh, philhendryshow.com and you can, you can also, that's, that's, his, that's his website and you can become a member of his archive and you can look up all the characters, which is really what you should do, uh, Duffy. I'm, I'm doing totally it right do now, dude. I'm literally, I just Googled, mm -hmm. Phil, Googled that website I was talking about. I just Googled Phil Hendry characters. And it, it's, oh, it's if, you do, if you do if you do, do philhendryshow.com, I think this sounds like a plug and you want to know what it is. It is a plug because I've been a member for the last five years and it's the best $5 a month I spend. No way. Um, I can go into his archives. Oh yeah. I go into his archives. I can look up any character I want and I can just listen and I can down, I can download all of it. So when I go on road trips, his show is typically his full show is about three hours. So he'll have a couple of characters on. I'll talk about relevant political issues. And then he just has a character come on. You know, we'll have a kid named R.C. Collins come on, who's 16 at a you know, military, uh, uh, Dina military school, gets on and talks about the fact that, you know, he he wants to go to he, he didn't want the war in Afghanistan to end because he wanted to take out bin Laden and he's being robbed of his glory. <laughs> um, you know, just just like ridiculous things that are just incredible. So but, but he also um, really he does like two shows a week or he does a show every two days, doesn't he? Is that what I saw? Yeah, well, I don't know what it is now. I know that a lot of it's older stuff that he's been doing, and it it just it just kind of because he's got Monday, January twenty nine. Then he's got Saturday, January twenty seventh. Then he's got January twenty sixth. Then January. Oh, these are past. Oh no, January twenty five. I mean, he's got in a one week period. He's got twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, and twenty nine, and thirty. All in the same week. How the fuck does that happen? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Go over there and check it out. It's philhendryshow.com. Uh, we just totally plugged this shit. That's awesome. Become a yeah. member. Become a member. Totally worth it. All right, I'll, I'll, spend, I'll spend that five bucks. So 
What's uh, so I, I, you know, one of the things about you, I think that, that I like so much and, and well, first off, let's do this. Tell what, what other, what other shit, what other stuff are you involved in right now? Cause you're not just, you know, a lot of people know you from, from bar rescue. A lot of people know some of the other stuff that you've done, but in reality, you're a, it's a, what you do is a lot deeper than any form of hospitality production. I mean, what else is it that you have going on that makes you the interesting man that you are? Wow. That's great. Thank you very much. You like that? Um, that's good shit. That's, that's wonderful. Actually. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, my, I think we talked about this a little bit the last time on the first time I was on your podcast. Uh, like example, end of the month, I'm going to at the beginning of February, I'm going to mammoth film festival. Um, it's a pretty big film festival. A lot of people, it's, it's starting to really build its following people at slam dance and Sundance know about it for those film festivals. Um, I have a movie that I produce called Exalis. It's O X A uh, O X A L I S. And it's a sci-fi thriller. <clears throat> it stars Derek Wilson and Andrew Walker and Kelly Pendergraft. Uh, Derek Wilson is the star of the show Future Man on Hulu. Oh, nice. Um, we, he plays Wolf on a Future Man. He's hilarious. Uh, they're going into the second season. Yeah, I produced this film, and it's doing really well. It's going to be at Mammoth Film Festival. I produce movies and television shows, which is why Bar Crashers was awesome, because my, my production company is getting to produce it. So um, Move Films, which is um, founded by Michael Abbott, which is a great company that I'm a partner in. And I, I work a lot in TV and film, but I, everything I do for the most part is I either create or I help someone else create something. Um, it kind of keeps me balanced. I think my biggest fear is, uh, is, is boredom, not being broke. Um, so I, I take some risks, but yeah, I think we think, well, other than that, um, I am currently opening a new cold press juice place, even though there's 5,000 of them in Los Angeles. Um, I'm opening a new one, which I think you'll dig. Uh, the concept is called the Juice Butchers. We opened February 15th, and I kind of wanted to create something that was in the irony of of, um, of the industry is that everything feels very ethereal. Uh, everything is everything is like, you know, goddess living, higher living, cold-pressed juice, health elixir, you know. Right. Uh, everything is pushing a healthier lifestyle. It can, be a, it can be a little redundant. So I love the idea of the old-school butcher shop. I just like mixing that with vegetables, which I think is pretty funny. Um, slaughtering vegetables. <laughs> so, There's, I'm going to send you um, as soon as, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to send you something. I may do it. Go ahead. Keep talking. Keep talking. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's doing really, really well, but eventually vegetable butcher is a restaurant in wine country. So also vegetable butchers is, it does not necessarily encapsulate everything in a juice place. So what, what we're doing that's different at this place that I'm very excited about is yes, it will be inspired by butcher build out, which is my company called Invictus hospitality, which is our, uh, my consulting company, um, our designer, Mark Diaz, uh, is designing basically the Juice Butcher package, which we're eventually going to franchise, but um, which he'll be speaking at Nightclub and Bar in March as well um, on, on design elements for bars and restaurants. But um, anyway, the point is with Juice Butcher, the one thing I kept looking at in the market that was driving me nuts is there are two things. People kept talking about the juice world and how the bubble is going to burst eventually because everyone's just charging $10 for a bottle of juice which is great, but that's not what Americans can really afford. Um, if you live in Beverly Hills and you're well off, that's great. You can spend $400 a month on juice, but a lot of people can't. That's a part of a mortgage or a car. So I wanted something that was accessible to everybody. So I've been costing out what it really takes to, to cold press this juice. And, and what I wanted was I wanted a concept where people could come in and they could control their experience. 
more of a more of a Chipotle subway style with cold pressed juice. So we will have the grab and goes, and of course my mixology background, which helps, and uh, the two great partners that I have who are experts in juicing. Uh, we're coming up with great mixtures for grab and goes, people who are on the run, but we're also doing add-ons where people can really add stuff to their cold pressed juice. But most importantly, they can be the butcher if they want to come in. They can have um, their. We're going to have grounded pulp watermelon, pulp kale, everything pre-ground, where they can pick it and they can they can weigh it and they can actually create their own cold pressed juice mixture right there. Nice. So you can have mul- multiple experiences. Yeah, and it's a very different thing where they can see the value of what they're getting. As much as I appreciate when I go to a juice place that I'm getting a twelve dollar juice, and I understand the value of it because I'm in the industry, but not everybody gets to see like what four pounds of vegetables actually looks like. <laughs> And yeah. that's what they're that's what they're paying for. That's why it's twelve dollars. And the machine that's pressing it is a fifteen thousand dollar machine. You know, so I want to be able to expose that process and I want to show people, quote, how the sausage is made. And that's one of the things that we have in those. We want to see how the juice is made. Um, you know, so I just want something that people feel more approachable. And the last thing I would say is I wanted something where I could go in with my my niece and spend four dollars on orange juice, four dollars yeah. on apple juice, four dollars yeah. on cucumber. And then go, cool, if I want the expensive stuff, I can get it. But I don't have to pay $12 for a juice. Right. And I don't, have to, I don't have to feel like a – yeah, I don't have to do a detox. I can just go get some great apple juice for $4. And if I want to add jalapeno and cantaloupe to it, I can and spend $6. Right. You know, so <clears throat> that's what I'm doing. Yeah, between that, uh, let me think, what else? This sounds like I'm a rap sheet, but I own a, a wonderful bar, which I'm excited you just got to see um, yeah. when you were in town. Uh, in downtown Los Angeles, on a bar called Shushu Baby, uh, which I'm really stoked about. It's doing very well. <clears throat> and uh, we have amazing staff that I'm very blessed to have. Um, and that's going really well. So I guess when you say, what else What else do I do? I think I'm just more entrepreneurial. And I, 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 my biggest thing is my wife is just kind of reeling, trying to reel me in all the time, but also keep me grounded and, and support me at the same time, <laughs> which is which I need. Look, so, and Nikki's Nikki's a badass too, uh, though, because she's she's got that same she's she's one of those people who you who who I look at and one I fall in love with her every time I meet her from the first time that I met her to to sitting down and having cocktails with you guys at Shea J on fucking PCH. Um, yeah, I fall in love with your wife every time that I meet her. Just let her know that as well. To a point that it's almost oh. that that I there she. And I'm I'm everybody's gonna be like you're just blowing this chick up. Her personality is one of confidence. It's unbelievable. It's amazing to look at her once she's stunning, but, but her, she just has an air of confidence about her that is unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's amazing. She walks into a room and, and she wants, she lights up the room, but she is, she owns that room, but she doesn't know that she owns that room, which is so fucking cool. She's a badass. You know what? But she's that's an entrepreneur well as well. I appreciate that. Yeah, she's, yeah, a, she's no, a, You know what? what, you did, what that's why I married her. Like what you did, not because she's an entrepreneur, okay? That'd be amazing. How mm-hmm. basic and shallow would that be? You know, I married yeah, my really. wife when I found out about her entrepreneurial skills. Yeah, there's, there's um, great potential for some money no, with it. That, yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing is more exciting than, than somebody who can light up a room and doesn't know it because they light yeah. up other people. And uh, she lit me up pretty great. So She's a cool chick. Uh, by far my, my smartest choice in this, in this life so far. Well, you know, I had a shot there at one point. I had a shot there when you guys first you did, met. You that it. first night, beer, I almost... you, you, yeah. Yeah, so just so, for all you guys listening, the very first night that I went on a date with my wife, uh, me and Duffy had spoken at a, a, a kind of like a little 
little bar rescue tour thing. And uh, it was very cool. And we all went out afterwards. And she came down from Los Angeles to Long Beach to meet me. We all went out for drinks. And, and then Brian, the shot that Brian's referring to is she wasn't my girlfriend then. She was a girl I was, quote, you know, dating and trying to hook up with. And, uh, and Brian spilled beer all over her. <laughs> yep. And her reaction was the best thing ever. She was very cool and very funny about it. So, uh, but she chose me. I think she would have chosen Duffy if, if you hadn't spilled the beer. Dude, there was an opportunity. As long, I, I, in my mind, I had a chance. I had a shot. In your mind, you gave her to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's I, exactly. I, I, allowed, I allowed Tips to have her because that's why I spilled the beer. I wanted Tips to feel good about himself. Um, I love it. Well, um, and so, yeah, so man, everything, everything is so incredible right now. For me, I think one of the coolest things that I got to experience was to watch Shushu. And it was kind of cool to be in there at the same time and watch you guys interact with your staff, have your pre-meal, have your training classes that you guys were doing, which this is shit that we all talk about. And this is shit that our owners and operators talk about all the time, but they never actually get down and do it. And you guys did it so well because you followed all of the things that I believe in and all the things that I try to talk to my clients and people about all the time, which is one, well, you got to build your staff up to get them to execute to where they want to go. The other thing is they've got to believe in you. They have to believe in you for what you guys are doing and watching you and home get up there and talk about this stuff was, was inspiring, you know, because it's good to see. And then, you know, you have a kid who works in the kitchen, quote unquote, the little kitchen. And, you know, you've just got a really good group of people and it's a neat, it, first off, it's a neat place for anybody who's driving by. It's, 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 what street is it on? And this isn't a commercial for his it's place. On, by the way. Yeah, if you, if you feel, feel free to come by and write a bad Yelp review. Um, yeah. That was a joke. Please don't, but if you have to, go for it. I want the truth. Uh, no, it's, uh, we're on 7th Street between Hope and Flower in downtown. We're in a fantastic location in between the 7th Street stop and the subways. And uh, it's been really wonderful. We, we just took a boutique hotel concept and we made it a local bar. Um, you know, instead of just doing a, the typical, you know, I guess Irish pub, which a lot of people do in downtown Los Angeles and everyone's doing the mixology bars. Um, you know, so, but one thing I wanted to tell you too about that's really important that I, I got to give my, my business partner and dear friend, Homan Tagdiri, a shout out. It's something that me and you deal with a lot, Duffy, with when we have clients around the country, a lot of them have business partners yeah. and a lot of those business partners, you know, a lot of people have a business partner, whether it be their wife or their buddy or just someone they work with. That business partner really needs to bring out the best in you. It needs to complement all of your weaknesses and vice versa. Uh, you know, like getting to work with Homon in several businesses, but we own Shushu together. You know, he makes me 10 times sharper and he, he fills in all the areas where, you know, are not my strengths, my, my core competencies and, and vice versa for him with me. So a lot of the things that you're doing is your, your business partner being a, you know, a good friend, but also keeping you, keeping you sharp and bringing out the best in you. Because I see a lot of people, and their bars and restaurants and hotels get torn down because of a really bad relationship with a business partner. You know, it's a, it's a really big thing. You hear a lot of guys say, Hey, I'm in lawsuits with my old, with my old business partners, but yeah. that's the issue. And a lot of it's having a unified vision where you know that you can separate one thing me and homeowner are able to do is we can really go at it about something that we disagree on, but we know that it's not personal and we know that it's about what's best for the business. And even though that sounds simple and easy, people don't do that. They get nasty and they get personal about the things they disagree about and the business suffers because of it. So I totally agree with you. you. Know, be careful who you, be careful who you pick in your business partners because it's entering into a marriage that you can't just get out of. Yep. Can't walk away. You know, um, for, so, so 
for everybody who's out there, you know, we, 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 we've been talking for an hour now and, and going back and forth, but I think one of the main reasons why I wanted to have tips on is so that one, you guys could kind of get to, to kind of reconnect with him in a way, but two is bar crashes is something that we're both really proud of. Um, this is something that, that is awesome to watch. We have met some amazing people through our first episode and really, really stoked to get into some of these smaller towns. But one of the things that I really am like the most about the show is the fact that the way that we kind of, we kind of incorporate the community into it. You know, we talk to people that are out there and we want to find out why do you, you know, what is the best bar in Pawtucket, Rhode Island and why? What is the worst bar? Why is it the worst bar? What would you change if you if it were your place or what is it that you want to see within here? Because we don't really talk to our guests enough. And that's something that I firmly believe in. You know, we, we try to get increase our guest count. We get them in, we get the asses in the seats and then we get them out. But how much did we really interact with them in the middle of that other than taking their order and delivering the order? And so to be able to have that communication with people, look, you're, you're, we're, we're hitting directly. We're hitting it directly on the head with the people that are spending money within the places. We want to know what it is that you guys want to see. And and with that being said, anybody who's listening to the show, if you have an awesome little town with a couple of amazing bars that are in there, send them our way. You know, go to the Bar Crashers. Yeah. Is, it, is it the Bar cr- What the fuck is our email? I take it you're in front of your computer, right? Yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm anything. Guest. I'm, oh, oh, you're right. My bad. I'm, I'm sorry. I should have done more research. Um, so go to chef. You can actually just email me at chef Brian Duffy at gmail.com. How's that? And send us the name of the bar or the town that you're in. Cause we want to come. I mean, that's, it's just that simple. We want to be there. We want to experience, we want to meet, we want to chat, we want to have a drink. We want to have something to eat in your town. So if you've got an awesome spot that you feel uh, deserves to be made focus of instead of be made fun of, and our hashtag is very simple, we're not going to yell at you, but we may yell at each other. Um, you know, it, it's just the way it I works. It. It, it's it's not about being negative. It's about focusing on the positive. And hey, look, if you're doing something wrong, we may offer you a way to to do it in in something that might help you in a more positive light, as opposed to making you feel like a piece of shit with a little dick because of the fact that you got drunk with your bartender on Thursday. So that's not. What yeah, I think I think that's I think that's the the one of the biggest things that that I love about the show, and I'm also excited because we're going to be doing a lot more episodes. Obviously, we want people to write in and get in touch with us because we want to be able to come to their town, not just necessarily their bar. As much as you want to hear about the one bar, we'd love to hear about your perspective of the town. And I think the town ultimately is what affects the success of your bar. So you hear a lot of owners. I wish if there could be a Yelp out there that was just for owners, life would be very different. Um, you know, so I think that if we can hear a lot about the town itself, you know, what that means and who's doing what, uh, that would be huge for us. You know, so we can pick in the towns that we want to go to. Um, that would be big time. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, and that's one of the things that that I think that I've uh, that I know that I've found throughout my travels is 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 the community itself. And when you get them into your bar or your restaurant or your nightclub, and you sit down, and even if you just spend five minutes with them, they tell you what they're looking sure. for. They tell you exactly what they want, and I think that. One of the the big things that I've seen is that there are too many operators out there who are creating an homage to themselves as opposed to a business. And well, fuck them. I don't like I don't like I don't like Coors Light, so fuck that. I'm not putting it on tap. 
well, you know, 62% of people throughout the country love Coors Light, you know, uh, and there's too many homages sure. to things that are out there that are going on to, to, to individual owners. And it's nice to see a group of people that are really genuinely interested in, uh, in, in, in a, in a quantifiable conversation with a, with, with a, a guest, with a customer, somebody who's walking in and already spending money. So that's how I feel about that. I think that was all very well said. Well, because I use the word quantifiable, and I know how much you love that word. Nice. Well, I'm let me – can I just make – can I take – look, I'm the one friend you have that loves you regardless of who you vote for. But I read <laughs> something the other day that I'm not – I'm not – I'm not I, – I, I, I think everyone's going to – I think at first everybody was a little worried. I think no matter who you – not to think this political, but you'll appreciate this because we have to talk about two more things that we have time that I got to talk to you about. You okay. being a Philly guy, we got to talk about the Super Bowl. Oh, my we gotta God. And, and also, remember, I'm neutral because I'm not a Patriots or a, a Philly fan. I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm in, I'm in no threat to either one of you for a long time, okay? <laughs> not, not, um, you're circa the 1980s. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, the last time the Dolphins were relevant was 92 when Marino took into the AFC Championship. Literally nothing has happened since then except for a couple well, of Jim great years of Ricky Williams. Dude, Jim Carrey found the Dolphin. <sighs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. That, was that, same, that was that same year. So that was, it's a bad joke, but it's a very effective joke. Okay. Um, you're right. You're right. The Dolphins are terrible. So we got to talk about that. But just the thing on the Trump thing, I think that being a little neutral on this is great. But I think everybody, Democrat or Republican, I think at first everybody was a little worried that this guy was going to get his nuked very quickly just because of his big mouth. But I think now it's like everyone realizes that no one's really taking him seriously, <laughs> not even other nations. Right. And just not that he's not doing a good job, but I mean, like, just how ridiculous he is that he'll spend three hours arguing with an actor on Instagram versus, you know, focusing on the white house. Um, just stuff like that. I think that any American looks at him because regardless of who you voted for, like, this is ridiculous. Like our, our, our government actually has become a reality TV show. But I read something today by Mike Huckabee, uh, said that Trump is like the new Churchill. Mike Huckabee, you know, Fox news, Republican. Um, uh, this is actually in the New York times, of course, but he said that Mike Huckabee says Trump is like Churchill. Historians disagree. I, th- I saw this and I've actually thought about you. I go, you know what? Even though Duffy voted for him, he loved this. So the response from, um, from, from Christian Toning, uh, sure. Churchill served his country for 55 years in parliament, 31 years as a minister, and nine as prime minister. He was president 15 battles and received 14 medals of bravery. He was one of, the his- of history's most gifted orators and won the Nobel Literature uh, Prize for his writing. Totally the same thing as Trump. Yeah. Completely. I couldn't help it. I was like, this is amazing. I got to send this to Duffy. Yeah. Um, because nobody, you know, comparing him to Churchill is fucking insane. Completely. So, wait, I, mean, this is- I wouldn't compare Obama to Churchill either. <laughs> it doesn't no, matter no. who you like. Churchill was hated. Oh, wait, where did it go? Why did it just go away? It just fucking went away. I hate the web. If I scroll over something, it's like next thing you know, I'm looking at porn. Churchill was hated by his own party, opposition party and press, feared by King as reckless and despised for his bluntness. Huckabee tweeted, but unlike Neville Chamberlain, he didn't retreat. We had a Chamberlain for eight years. In Donald Trump, we have a, we have a Churchill. Wow. Hmm. All right. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. I anyway, agree. And that's, um, how we're ending, that's how we're ending the show is on that one? Absolutely not. Can we okay. end it on the Super Bowl? Okay, well, we'll end on the Super Bowl, and then I have something. I have something after that. So go ahead. No, nothing. Just really quickly. 
Okay. I want you to know that I had a, I, I, we talk, we, I've mentioned this to you before. I'll make this really quick for all you Philadelphia people out there listening to this. I want you to listen very closely. I love your town. Philadelphia is amazing. I love the city. In fact, I even love your football team and the players because the players are incredible people. But when you go to Philadelphia and you go to a football game there, it is the most disgusting experience I've ever had as an American spectator. Not because I disagree with the fact that you're great fans, because I've watched people say extreme obscenities to like five-year-old children because they're wearing a different jersey. I mean, stuff that's just so beyond despicable, right? And I hope the Patriots win 157 to negative 12 because Tom Brady will find a way. Okay, this is how great this man is. And I don't even like the Patriots. I don't even like them. I'm a Dolphins fan. They destroyed me for the last 20 fucking years. I can't stand the Patriots, but you can't deny greatness. Just like people could hate Michael Jordan. Doesn't matter. Six titles says everything. I want you guys to lose so bad that you start being nice to people at your games because you're so humbled. Because it was so <laughs> embarrassing on the big stage. It was so the biggest stage Philadelphia as a city, sports city, has been on in quite some time, maybe ever. You have the most pressure on you, and being mean ain't going to help you, brother. That's it. Can't do my speech. What are you going to do? I'm going to vent on your podcast. What are you? What are you going to do? If they win, my hat's up. You can't deny it. If you guys win, you can't deny it. All, all, it's, if you guys win, it's it, here it is. If you guys win, it's, it, makes the, it makes one thing very apparent, that to be part of the dark side of the force is a good thing. Look, every city. <laughs> I, I love your, I love the, I love the first one. Look, <laughs> <laughs> every city has their fans, and it seems that no matter what city you go into, they always end up talking shit. But I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like it. Airbnb basically said to a group of people in Minnesota, "We will not. You're going to lose your Airbnb membership if you rent to anybody from Philadelphia." That's what was, that's what they went through. And there's like a whole community that would not allow if you're from Philadelphia to have an Airbnb given to you while you're out there. Um, we got a bad rap, but now it's turning fucking racist is what it is. Cause now people are being racist against Philly and I need to stand up and put my fist up in the air and say, we're not all that bad, man. We're a good group of people. And one of the cool parts, and I'll, I'll touch back because we have some nastiness. We've had – look, I know it was 46 years ago. We threw a fucking snowball at Santa Claus. We did, and and we feel bad for that. But what this has to come down to is the team themselves. These guys are a tremendous group of guys who are busting their asses and have come through so much shit that it's time to watch the fucking red, white, and blue fall out of Boston, out of New England. That's all I got to say. Well, here, I've been talking to Philly guys all week, and they're like, yeah, but our defensive line, man, we're the only ones who could get to Brady. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm sure Belichick, the biggest mastermind in football in history, hasn't, hasn't planned. About. He hasn't planned about that. Yeah, exactly. I think you know what they're going to do, yeah. though. I think they just, I, they just instituted a new rule in the NFL once Brady texted Goodell that, that the Patriots are actually allowed to carry Mace with them now to stop the defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just for this game only. Oh, though. that's good. They're not allowed to use it in any other one. Yeah, it's good. Actually, I'll tell you what. I watched a documentary on Brady the other day, and he's a he's a driven motherfucker. Like, oh, that's the one. Uh, was it uh, Tom versus Time? Uh, I didn't catch the name of it, but you, that sounds like it would make sense. Uh, he's a driven motherfucker, dude. Like that's there's something to be said yeah. 
about a true champion and the way that they prepare, the way that they uh, that they execute what it is that they do so well. You know, I mean, this guy has come through some fucked up stuff. Now, obviously, you know, I, I'm super stoked for Philly to be there. I'm really proud of what these guys have done throughout this season um, to watch some of the things that they've overcome between Wentz, between Doran Bose, between some of these other players who have had the injuries and whatnot. I'm really excited to get out there and watch them. It, it's something that I'm stoked for, and I hope that it's an amazing game. I, and I'll be honest, I want Philly to win, but I just hope that it's a great fucking game because I get to watch Justin Timberlake. Well, I'll tell you what, my buddy, uh, my, my friend Miles, he's also my employee who works at Shushu Baby. He is the most diehard Patriots fan in the world, so i got to give him a shout-out. I, uh, I talked to a Philadelphia fan recently, and I said, who's going to win? They're like, Philly, baby, Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. Is it the whole, the whole, you know, the whole shtick? And I said, okay, so you're going to bet all your money on the Eagles. They go, absolutely, brother. And I said, okay, but what if you had to bet your grandmother's money? Who would you bet on? And immediately they just stopped, and they're like, Oh, I go, yeah, I thought so, friend. <laughs> and to me, it feels like, don't bet on your hope. Bet on where you're going to lose your grandma's money. You're betting on the Patriots every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Because know. the Patriots make you play 60 perfect minutes of football. I believe the Philadelphia Eagles are going to beat them for 25 minutes of the game. I think their defense is going to be so amped up in the first half that they're going to shut the Patriots down. And then the problem is, like every other team that plays the Patriots, 25 minutes ain't enough. Yeah, you got to beat them for all 60. And they don't have enough, they don't have enough firepower to do that. Their defense is going to get worn out. I disagree. So, I feel that I, I feel that they are they are they are truly aware of the situation that they're getting in. I think that they are uh, mentally and physically prepared for this. I, I really do, man. I think that they have they have something in their guts that is deeper than what anybody else has right now. I just feel it, man. I, I just whether it's because I'm in Philadelphia, whether whatever it is. I'm not a huge sports guy. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge sports guy. I actually get to go Friday morning and be a Philly guy against a Boston guy on the Today Show. I'm not a huge sports guy. But there's something about this team that pulls everybody into it. We believe. We have just a tremendous amount of faith. And and as an intelligent human being, I understand the power of marketing. I understand what it is that people are doing when you drive down 95 South and you see a billboard that says, in St. Nick, we trust. You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that's really getting us to do that. But I I truly believe that this team is just on fire this season. I don't know. Did you watch watch the Jaguars game? No. The AFC Championship game. I didn't. Okay. So the Jaguars, the, I mean, the Jaguars team looks like a little more athletic, younger version of Philly. And they had the best secondary in football, where Philly has the best defensive line. Right? They had the best secondary. They were so primed, and they were going into the fourth quarter with a lead. If the Patriots were going to lose, they were losing that game. Like, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, that game was so incredible. Oh, and that team... I don't know. I'm excited. I'll bet you five bucks hard cash on Patriots. Did you watch the Vikings game? Yeah, the Vikings are like a mediocre team. I know, but but it was was a good game, though. It was a great game, though. It was a great game. It was fun to watch. But I'm just saying that was the thing. I felt like that one fluke play with New Orleans versus the Vikings the week before is the difference with what's happening right now. I think if the New Orleans Saints win that game, the Eagles aren't going to the Super Bowl. And I think anybody who follows football knows... Yeah, Look. that last that last play that, that happened with the Vikings was nuts. It was the biggest fluke play in football. 
And I think that's the reason why I think, and I think Philly knows that. I think on some level, they know that like if the New Orleans Saints win and they played in the Saints and Drew Brees, they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. Right. They, 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 it was the weakest NFC championship I've ever seen. Well, I'll tell you the what. Game, but. One of the things we, we should do uh, in reality, uh, Jason, who's a producer, who's on the phone with us right now, we, we got to get off pretty soon because he's got stuff he's got to do. But Jason is a total football guy. Jason, do you mind hopping in real quick and, and telling us real quick what you think? Patriots are going to win. Motherfucker, I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I quit. I'm not doing this show with you guys anymore. You're done. I mean, okay. Jason, would, Jason, 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 wouldn't you agree that the, the NFC championship game was by far? It was, it was not the old Cowboys versus the Niners. It was a very weak game. That, that, that Saints play was such a fluke play. The Vikings had no business being there. They were a subpar team that got beat by a pretty good team with the Eagles. But it wasn't the Eagles should have beat them 100 to nothing if they were that great. And the Vikings are not that great of a team. So it wasn't like they had to beat some amazing team to be playing against the Patriots. The Patriots had to beat a much better Jaguars team to even be there. Yeah, no, I mean, to me, the best teams this year were out of the NFC South. I mean, when you're talking about, I mean, Nick Foles is a backup quarterback. That's what he is. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, you know, Case Keenum has had a great year, but he's been a backup all of his career. I mean, it was to me, and I agree with you. If New Orleans would have got there, oh, they they would have beat Philly. Yeah, and I think New Orleans and the Patriots would have been a hell of a game. Breeze versus you know, Breeze has that thing. You guys are breaking up. I'm having a real hard time hearing you over here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we can't, we can't, we, we can't, we can't, we can't dethrone the king here. Okay, it's his show. So. <laughs> No, do it. I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. I just want to make sure that Jason doesn't miss his meeting. Okay, well, this is, I mean, I think me and Jason are on the same page here. So <clears throat> hopefully uh, hopefully we're right, because I got five bucks writing on it, Brian Duffy. <laughs> um, look, I'm oh, sorry, guys. Hold on. I, I... <laughs> you guys are breaking up. I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing are you getting a? Fa- oh my god! <laughs> All right. So hey, uh, everybody, do me a favor. Get over to barcrashers.com. Check us out. Go to Instagram, Twitter, and go to YouTube. In reality, go to YouTube and look up Bar Crashers. You guys are going to find us over there. Michael Tips, dude, I want to thank you so much for hopping on with me. I'm super stoked to see you in Vegas on March 26, 27, and 28. While we're out there for the nightclub and bar show, that's where you guys can sign up to subscribe for FMB only. That's where you guys can give us your bar, your town, whatever it is that you guys want to do, where you want to get us out to. Also, come and see me at the FMB Innovation Center, where I'm going to have amazing chefs like Matt Varga. I'm going to have chefs out there like Chad Rosenthal, Panini Pete from Alabama, Keith Breedlove. I got everybody out there, man. It's Kayla Robeson. These guys are unbelievable. They're on fire. Michael Tips, Mark Diaz, everybody's going to be out there with us. Uh, come out and check us out. Uh, I want to thank everybody for hopping onto the show this week. I know it's a little bit long. Do me a favor. Support the people that support us. Radioinfluence.com with Jerry and Jason that put this show together and do an amazing job. Got to get out there for Maggie Gagliardi, the amazing illustrator who does all of our promo pieces. And you also have to thank Michelle from Techno Solution because she's unbelievable. And don't forget, get an RX bar in your belly, people. Thanks so much. Have a great week, and we will talk to you later. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Thank you.
I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.